0: Well, oh, good morning, New Hope. So glad that you're here this morning in person. And as you're at home, chime in. Welcome to New Hope Community Church. Glad that you're here this morning as we continue in our series called Body Shop. And the whole idea of this series is to parallel the actual body shop where they utilize different people's talents and gifts to restore cars, to their original, to the whole idea of how the Apostle Paul describes in the Bible how the church is supposed to be like a body as well, and how all of the different parts, the giftings that we bring, our gifts, our talents, and that are to be utilized to restore lives. Back to the original of what God desired for them, to look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And so we've been walking through this series in 1 Corinthians 12, looking at this whole idea of how it parallels the actual body shop and how the church, the family of God, is supposed to function. And so it's been sort of a, a fun series to do and work through. Last year, when I was walking through some cancer, I was down for a month flat on my back. And so I was watching some Netflix, right? So what you do when you're flat on your back, you're watching some Netflix, and I got sort of hooked on three different car shows on Netflix. And the first one is called Fastest Car. It's where they take everyday Joe and Janes, who are driving their cars, but they sort of soup them up, and they bring them together on this show. They get their backstory about, you know, what have they done to the car, why they think it's the fastest out of all the cars they're bringing together, and that, and they all talk shop. And then at the end of the show, they race each other a quarter mile to see whose car actually is the fastest. And so you get the backstory on all their cars, you get all kinds of trash talk going on. And so like one particular show, you may have like a a 66 Bel Air that's driving against a 1998 Honda Civic, (laughs) against a 2001 Mustang, against a Lamborghini. And so these people bring their cars. You get their backstory, their trash talk. And typically, the people at the Lamborghinis or Ferraris or whatever that kind of thing, you know, they're saying, "Man, you guys got junk. You know, you think that's going down? You think it's going to take my Lamborghini? Are you crazy? This is two hundred fifty thousand dollars of just pure speed, baby. You know, and all the, I mean, all the trash talk, right? And you know, all that kind of stuff. And that, so you're waiting for like the big race where they all actually line up and race to see whose is the fastest. And actually, at that particular episode the Honda Civic took all <laughs> i mean like literally i uh, toasted the Lamborghini it was it was interesting the other show I liked watching was called Rust Valley Restores. It's in British Columbia, Canada, and it's this unique area of Canada where there's just all these farms full of these old, old classic cars. Everything from, you know, Chargers to Mustangs to, you know, you know old Jeeps, whatever. And they're just strewn all over, and there's all kinds of junkyards. And so in this show, they, they just go out in the back 40, they, they pull this, like, 69 Charger out of the dirt. It's all rusted, dumpy and all that. And they restore it back to its original and typically better than what it was. And it's sort of just fun to watch. The third show I liked was called uh, Car Master's you know, rust to riches. And what they typically do is they'll take a car that people aren't really cool on or whatever. So like one episode, they took a Prius, right? You know, a uh, Prius, right? And they took the Prius, but they redid it and made it look like a fighter jet. And so like they're driving down the road. This thing looks like literally this fighter jet. It's like all, you know, juiced up and it's so cool looking. People are rolling down. Man, what kind of car is that? Prius. What? You know, it's like, I don't know, just sort of fun, right? So so the thing I liked about these shows was was obviously that. But what I liked even more about these shows, beyond that, the different skills they brought. So each person on the show brought a different skill or talent, right? One had, you know, real talent with engines and electrical. Another brought their talent of bodywork, fabrication, uh, welding, those kind of things. Another, you know, brought their ability to really just paint this car at the end and just make it gorgeous, right? But beyond just bringing their gifts and abilities in that way, they also brought their concern for one another, So if somebody came in on the show, something happened in their life, or they're having a tough day or whatever, it wasn't just about, hey, well, get with the engine, get going, get to work. No, they took time out, listened to one another, and showed concern for one another's lives. And sometimes they put the project on hold and said, hey, we need to go take care of this business. I like the one episode, for instance, of Russ Valerie Stores. The associate, not the owner, hired a 16-year-old girl who was interested in learning restoration. And so he hired her to just help out wherever in the shop. So she shows up to start working, and the owner's like, Well, who's this? And he says, Well, she's gonna, you know, help us. She wants to learn restoration and that. And he's like, That's awesome. Hey, I need you to run and pick up this list of parts from the store and that. And she's like, Well, I, I don't have my license. And the owner's like, What? You don't have your license. I mean, if you want to work at a body shop, you got to have your license. We got to have you run, get parts. You got to move cars around. I mean, what do you know? And so he was like on the backs and he's like talking to the associate. What are you thinking? You know, what are you thinking? Hiring somebody, they don't have their license and all that kind of stuff. But instead of like just saying, hey, sorry, you know, we need someone with a license. The owner and the associate decided, all right, we will teach you how to drive which was a big effort because she had failed her test three times already. You know, they were looking at each other like, what? Really? But the whole episode then was about them trying to teach her how to drive. And it was, it was fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun to, to watch in that. But it showed that, hey, it wasn't you know, just about the talent and the gifts they brought, but it was also about, hey, we are here to care for one another. They cared for each other beyond just the car restoration. And so this is a picture of what the Apostle Paul in the Bible is trying to get across as he's writing the church of Corinth. And he's saying to them, listen, beyond using your gifts and your talents to serve one another in the church, I want you to look beyond that and I want you to care for one another's personal lives, and I want you to do life together. Why? Because we need each other. We are better together, okay? So I want to read this portion of 1 Corinthians 12 for you, verses 21 through 26, and the Apostle Paul's talking about our body parts, the hand, the foot, the eye, or whatever, and talking about, hey, listen, you need one another. And he's relaying it to the church, the family of God. We are called the body, okay? And he's relaying it to us that we need each other. So let me read this. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, well, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, our modest parts, right? While other presentable parts need no special treatment like the hands. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body. You know, I'm better than you, you got a better gift than I, those kind of things. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so the verse 25, 26 is where I want to focus on today in our Body Shop series when Paul says, but that the parts should have equal concern for each other. You know, we don't just come and use our gifts and serve alongside one another, but we show concern for each other. If one part is suffering, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it, right? We care about each other's personal lives, what's happening. When someone is suffering by us, we suffer with them. When somebody is rejoicing by us, we are rejoicing with them. This reminded me of last Sunday. My wife and I were leaving. We went over to Manacua, Wisconsin, where we met up with my siblings. I'm at the end of nine kids. There's eight of us still living. And in January, I called everybody. I said, hey, we need to get together, except for, you know, we always get together for a wedding or a funeral. And the weddings are pretty much done. And we're all 60 plus. So, uh, you know, funerals may be coming. And so let's get together, actually, just to have fun, right, and get together. And so we spent two days together over there. Six of us siblings were able to make it. And it was raining like crazy on the Tuesday evening or Monday evening. We were going to get together and go out pontooning and hit a restaurant, that kind of stuff. And so I said, hey, let's go bowling. And they're like, bowling? None of us bowl. And I'm like, perfect. You know, I mean, let's go anyways, Right. Why not? Let's go do some. Let's let's be. Active. So we got to the bowling alley. Six of us were going to be bowling. So we put numbers 1 through 6 in a cup and we said, "Okay, odds against evens." And the ladies the three ladies picked out and they were all even numbers. And the guys picked out, and obviously, we were all odd numbers, sort of worked because <laughs> we're odd, right? But, uh, and so I'm like, well, we should probably mix it up. And the ladies are like, what do you mean? You know, we'll take you guys on. You know, we'll take the bros on and all that. So the trash talk was already stopped, you know, starting, all that kind of stuff. Well, once you know it? You know, we're bowling, and that my wife, who's like weighs nothing, and that she's like throwing strike after strike. After like and the ladies are all over there fist pumping, they're dance, you know, doing their dancing and all that stuff. They're rejoicing with those who rejoice, right? You know, us guys, we're throwing gutter balls. You know, my my third oldest brother, I mean, he's barely getting down, there, you know, throwing and he's like, Oh, you know, I'm like, come on, Jim, get it together, you know. And we're suffering, like we're suffering, right? On this side and all that. So we so we get through this game. My wife. She ends up with the highest score, a one hundred and fifty out of all of us. Right? Unbelievable! It was great, and that and they're just living it up and all that. But we beat them by ten pins still. Ten pins, and that. So I had a reminder. I said, "Hey, you know, pride comes before destruction. You know, a haughty." a haughty spirit before a fall, you know, just so so we play another game, and that she's not doing so hot over there, not doing so hot, but my my sister, who's around 70, and that she only has two open frames the whole game, and I'm like, what in the world, and that, and we're going at it, the last frame, you know, we're up 20 pins, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, we got this, you know, oh, yeah, you know, because we need 10 pins, so we'll win by 10 pins and all that, last, game last frame 10th my wife walks up and she throws two straight strikes and an eight ball and i'm thinking are you kidding me and we lose by 10. And man, was there trash talking and all that kind of stuff. And now, I mean, for a whole year, they have bragging rights and that. But it's this whole picture of the body. Like, we all brought our, our gifts of bowling, which wasn't much, right, and that. But it wasn't about the gifts. It was about doing life together, like rejoicing together, you know, suffering over here, like, come ah, on, quit the gutter balls and all that, and, and, and doing life together. But it's this picture of what Paul's trying to get to the Corinthian church and saying, hey, listen, you know, do life together, It's not all about you and that, about your gifting and that. Don't just bring your gifts and serve and that. You know, do life together. Suffer with those who are suffering around you. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing around you. That is how it should be. And this is how the church should be. It's not just about using our gifts, but it's also about bringing our guts. Okay? It's not just about using our gifts. It's also about bringing our guts Where are we at in life? How is life going? So when you sign up and you serve here, whether it's back in children's, whether it's greeting, whether it's making cookies or coffee, whether it's doing tech or doing worship out here, whatever area it is, you are doing it with other people who are bringing their gifts, but in bringing your gifts and working together, you're also bringing your gut. And so you're talking about how life is going and sometimes, man, there's suffering, right? And you come alongside those who are suffering. Hey, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna uphold you. And other times, you're you're rejoicing. Hey, my kid just graduated, or hey, we're going on vacation. That's awesome. So excited for you and all that. And you have both. Why? Because you're not just sharing your gifts. You're also in the family of God, the body of Christ. Paul is saying here, listen, everyone has equal concern. We want to be concerned for each other, and we want to share our gut. And so what Paul's overall saying is he's like, listen, gifting does not matter. So the foot can say, well, yeah, but I'm really good at soccer. The foot's like, I'm really good at soccer. Doesn't matter. Greatness does not matter. You know, the bicep, the muscle can be like, oh, look at those pipes, baby. You know, like that. you know, doesn't matter. I mean, good looks do not matter. I mean, look at that nose. I mean, I got a bird nose. That's a bird nose. I mean, it like, doesn't matter. In the body of Christ, the family, the church, All are of equal value and have concern for each other's lives. What's going on? But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. We can very much get self-focused, and it's all about us, or like, oh, people don't want to hear about what's going on in my life, but yet God's designed the body so that we all interact with one another, right? But here's sometimes the challenge. So I sort of rewrote what Paul wrote about the body parts and how sometimes we get as the body. So with the body parts, as Paul describes it, the body parts are busy being the body parts, right? We get really busy focusing on their gift or their task. They reason, you know, my busyness, my issue is greater than the other parts of the body, the ear thinks. They don't understand my life, what it's like to be an ear. But the eye sees what's going on and says, well, I have to see everything that you are hearing. But then the feet chime in. Hey, down here, look down here. I'm carrying all the weight around here. Don't you know that? But then the butt butts in and saying, well, I'm getting sit-on all day. It's unbelievable how much Netflix these people watch. Are you kidding me? Well, I have to watch it, says the eye. Well, I have to hear it, says the ear. And then the brain cuts in and says, listen, I'm running it all. (laughs) I'm running it all. I'm telling all of you what to do. And unless you have me, the brain, you can't do anything. And so the brain makes all the body parts stop and think. And they all realize they have more in common than not, that they are all serving in their part and that they all need to care for each other. I love the picture we get from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, where Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Like, it's all about me. But in humility, value others above yourself. It's not that you're nothing, but look to others, right? He says, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so he's saying, hey, as you come together and as you use your gifts within the family of God, within the church and that, Make sure that you're looking beyond your own interests, your own suffering or rejoicing or whatever, and looking to those you are serving with and doing life with them. And carry their suffering or rejoice when they're rejoicing and do life together with your gift and your gut. Again, what did Paul say? That its parts should have equal concern for each other If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the goal here at New Hope Community Church when we're using our gifts and when we're volunteering as God has called us to, serving one another. As we serve one another, then we are doing life together. And when someone is suffering, we say, hey, can I bring you a meal? Or I'm going to be praying for you. Or you need a car? I got a car. You can use the car. Or when we are rejoicing. People rejoice with us. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Have a great time on that vacation that has been a long time coming, whatever it might be, but we're doing life together and it's good. And this is the picture and the practice of what Jesus desires for the body, for his family, for the church, Because he wants each one of us to recognize that we are of equal concern. We are of equal value across the board. And Jesus wants to remind us that, hey, at the foot of the cross, there is equal ground. And that each one of you in this room today, each one of you sitting here in this room today, each one of you listening online are 100% valued equally equally by God, and that he proves it to us by sending his son to die on the cross for each one of us. For God so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross, and he wants to remind us of that. And so that's why this morning we are going to be taking communion together, because Jesus set up communion to remind us regularly of his love for us, of his forgiveness for our sin, and how because of the cross, we are made right with our heavenly father. We have moved from pursuing wrong to now pursuing right. We have moved from being a sinner now to being a saint. We have moved from being far from God now to being near because of what he has done on the cross. And so for those who have accepted him as Savior and Lord, there has been this transition. And Jesus wants to remind us, as Paul is reminding us, that, hey, in the family of God, in the body of Christ, we all are of equal value and we are called to do life together with one another. And I want to close by sharing this story before communion about this whole idea of your value. The other day, my wife shared with me a story that one of her teacher friends wrote about herself and put on Facebook. And so I asked my wife, could you please reach out to her and could I share that story this Sunday? And she said, certainly you can share this story. But it has to do with this whole idea of our value and how God wants us to be valued by him and by one another. But she writes this, don't believe the lie Satan will tell you. When I was in fourth grade, I read around a second grade level. We were separated by our reading ability and sent to different teachers for reading I was in the lowest class where we were separated even more by our ability. There were the number one cardinals, number two bluebirds, and number three sparrows. I was a sparrow with two other groups of students. Every day before we practiced our reading skills, our teacher would tell us that if we could learn to read, we could be a bluebird or a beautiful cardinal. Until then, we would be an ugly and worthless sparrow. I believed this lie for most of my life. Even when I graduated with distinctions from college, I always felt ugly and worthless. In the last few years, I've been noticing sparrows in the Bible. They appear in the Bible more than 40 times. The Word of God often used them as a way to tell us how important we are to Him. Today, I love being a sparrow. It's one of my greatest blessings in life. I think it has made me a better teacher of both students and parents of students. Abilities come at different times, or... Not at all. Your worth is not in your abilities. Your worth is in the eyes of God and how he sees you. God sees you as a gift worth dying for. Don't believe the lie. You are worth his son dying on the cross, and you are loved beyond measure. And I love the post, this gal, she wears a necklace with a sparrow on it every day as a reminder of her worth before her God. And the Apostle Paul, in in writing the church of Corinth, is saying, listen, it's not about your gifts and your talents and what you bring, where your worth is at. It's about how you are valued before God, and we're all valued together. And so do life together, not only just with your gift, but also your gut and rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who suffer and do life together because each one of you are 100% valued. You matter. Your life matters. What you walk through matters. And so take the cup and take the bread. Because Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, the boys, took it and said, listen, this is my body broken for you. Why? Because you have value. And when you take this in the future, I want you to remember, do this in remembrance of me, that you have value so much so that I died on the cross for you. My body was broken, bruised, beat up for you. Eat of it. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could be made right with your heavenly father. And those who call upon me as Savior and Lord are made right with my heavenly Father. And your value is consistent for eternity, this life and the next. And so when you take this cup, I want you to be reminded that my blood was shed for you. Not for the person next to you, across from you, but for you as well. Because you are valued, drink this cup in remembrance of me. And so, New Hope, I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to utilize your gifts. Visit the tables before you walk out of here. Because it's not just about using your gifts. It's about bringing your gut. And it's about doing life together. And it's about being encouraged. It's about you being reminded that you are so valuable. And this is a picture of how God's body, His family, is to be. And we want you to be a part of that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for the reminder of your word that we are valued and that we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who suffer and uphold one another because each person is important, their life journey, what they're walking through. And Lord, you have given us gifts to use, but in that you have given us guts to share. And so may we do it as your family. And so I pray a blessing and favor over each one here today. In your holy name, amen.